Are you ready to take your career to the next level? Are you seeking the right tools to shine in today's competitive job landscape? Join us for an enlightening journey of professional growth and success with our dynamic 2MFM radio series, Career Catalyst, Landing Your Job, proudly supported by the New South Wales Government. Every week we'll bring you expert insights and practical tips that will empower you to conquer the job market and secure that dream position you've always aspired to. From crafting standout resumes to acing interviews and fostering a positive workplace environment, our series covers it all. Whether you're a seasoned professional looking to climb the ladder or a recent graduate embarking on your career path, Career Catalyst is your go-to resource for improving your skills and landing that desired job offer. Career Catalyst, landing your job. Your journey to professional success begins here. Welcome to the program. Today on Tourum FM, we tackle a critical issue that affects a large number of women in the workforce, workplace harassment. And today we are grateful to have with us Christina Hay-Newen, the Director of the Respect at Work Task Force, who brings extensive expertise and dedication to addressing this pervasive problem. Christina, thank you so much for joining us today to discuss workplace harassment and empower our female listeners with knowledge and strategies to combat it head on. Hi, Nadia. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me. So can you start off by explaining what constitutes workplace harassment and I guess provide some examples to help our listeners better understand? Yeah, sure. And I should just say I'm heading up this new team within Safe Work New South Wales, which regulates work health and safety across New South Wales workplaces. We give advice on improving work health and safety, but we also investigate incidences and enforce the work health safety laws in New South Wales, and that includes prosecution where there is a breach. Um, In answer to your question, um, there's probably three main types of harassment that you might experience at work. The first is bullying and harassment, which are often associated and travel together. Bullying is actually defined as behaviour that's repeated and unreasonable towards a worker. It includes things like offensive language, aggressive behaviour and spreading malicious rumours in the workplace. Another type of harassment is sexual harassment, which is actually the focus of my team's work. Another team um, works in other forms of harassment bullying, but I can speak more um, in depth about sexual harassment. Um, and, and in brief, it is defined as conduct of a sexual nature that's unwelcome and makes a person, would make a reasonable person feel offended, humiliated or intimidated. It doesn't have to be repeated like bullying and it can include things like unwelcome touching, jokes of a sexual nature, as well as physical sexual assault. Last year's survey was released that found that one in three people in the last five years have experienced sexual harassment at the workplace. So it is occurring in every industry and at every level. And in particular, it affects 41% of women and 26% of men. The last form of harassment I'll touch on is more correctly described as discrimination. And that's based on specific features of a person, such as their gender, um, their uh, racial background, whether they have a disability, their age, the caring responsibility, and there are anti-discrimination laws in New South Wales that make a discrimination based on these features illegal. To identify these behaviours, you can talk to your workers, either individually or as a group. 
You might also communicate with your workers by email, other ways where they can record these behaviours. What we really want to focus on in our work is ensuring leaders, like managers and business owners, uh, who might not see these behaviours directly, take a really proactive and preventive approach um, to identify these behaviours. And, and we also encourage your listeners to visit a Safe Work website and search harassment. And there's ways in which um, can help you navigate some of those behaviours I mentioned. Thank you very much for clarifying that. It is quite essential for everyone to understand what falls under workplace harassment. It's something that that is quite common, isn't it? And your area of expertise particularly is in terms of sexual harassment. You mentioned some of the recent statistics or trends that really tell us about this pervasive issue and really highlighting, I guess, the importance of implementing effective strategies to address and prevent workplace harassment. And again, thank you so much for providing a breakdown of the different types of workplace harassment. It's really crucial to recognise the various ways in you know which it can occur. So in light of its prevalence, and I know you touched on this very briefly, but what mm. advice or steps would you recommend to our listeners on identifying workplace harassment? What are some red flags or indicators of potential harassment, even when it's not overt? Yeah, so there's a couple of drivers of um, behaviour. And I, again, you know, I, a lot of my work is focused on uh, sexual harassment. And a lot of those drivers have been recognised to include a general gender inequality in the workplace already. So where there's a culture in which um, a lot of the power is distributed to one gender, where it reinforces negative stereotypes about a gender, um, where it uh, encourages or, or turns a blind eye to just general incivility in a workplace, they're the kind of red flags I think you'd see that if they are, you know, if they do tolerate some behaviours like jokes that are of a sexual nature that cross the line, then they are probably going to tolerate or not take seriously some of the more serious conduct. So there's some of the red flags. There's also some settings in workplaces that have higher risk so I wouldn't say they're red flags because they're, or they're automatic red flags, but these are often more riskier settings. And in the research, it has been shown to be workplaces that have use of alcohol, have a lot of isolated or remote work environments, that have a very uh, a workforce that's composed predominantly of one gender, particularly male-dominated industries is where it seems to be occurring more than others where there's high contact with customers or third parties, so customer-facing roles. And another setting that's been shown in evidence is where um, uh, there's high degrees of hierarchy. So the power is kind of held in one or very few people within an organisation and that can, can perpetuate some of the behaviours. So it can be quite multifaceted. Harassment can be brought upon by... You know, someone with a manager position, it can also be, you know, done by someone who is, you know, you're working, you're just working with a colleague. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, if you have a sec, I'll bring you up some really interesting yeah, sure. findings. Yes, please. Um, about that, about how it looks in workplaces. And again, um, my stats at the moment only relate to predominantly sexual harassment, but mm -hmm. by all means... We can always come back to you with other stats if yep. helpful. Yeah, but please. in terms of um, the latest research, there was an anonymous survey done across all Australian workplaces, not just in, in Sydney and New South Wales, and they found that this 
is the most common profile of a harasser, a sexual harasser. And 70% of the time it was a man. Mm. And more than half were aged 40 or over. In terms of who perpetuates the behaviour, it's actually quite um, spread. It's not focused on one group, but about one in three was perpetuated by somebody that was more senior than you and not always your direct supervisor. It could be a manager in another team, for example. One in four times it was your coworker or another colleague, your peer, and one in five times it was a client or a customer. Interesting. Look, a lot of people don't know how to distinguish between workplace harassment and a challenging Mm. work environment, but there are a few key indicators that can help clarify the distinction. So what can you tell us about the key factors that distinguish them? How can our listeners differentiate between workplace harassment and a challenging work environment? I understand that there are, you know, when it comes to sexual harassment, there are very obvious Mm -hmm. indicators that this isn't about a challenging workplace environment. Mm -hmm. It's very clear that they've crossed the line with what they are doing or perhaps what they are saying But, you know, in talking about the other uh, types of workplace harassment, how can they make that distinction? Yeah, it is, and it goes back to a little bit what I said in the beginning about what the the definition is and it's behaviour that's repeated and unreasonable in terms of bullying. Um, One thing that we do get at Safe Work is, um, well, you know, one of the most common reports of workplace bullying is how managers communicate with their workers during work performance conversations. So we found that, you know, telling a worker about what their work needs or whether their work needs improving is is actually not workplace bullying, as long as it's done in a constructive, respectful manner and there's open communication. And it's important that workers do receive feedback about their, how their work is done or how they can be improved or done differently, or where a, um, a worker needs to be moved to another part of the business for legitimate business needs, provided they consult with their workers and communicate and treat them you know, with respect but this is not bullying either. So it is a really complex question. There isn't kind of like a rule book, but you do take the principles in mind when you're looking at what kind of behaviour is unreasonable. You know, is it targeted to one person? Is it um, addressing a legitimate workplace need? Is there open communication and consultation? So all, they're all the various factors um, that it, that are usually taken into account. Absolutely. Now, for our listeners who may be currently experiencing workplace harassment, um, what are the, mm. I guess, immediate actions that you would recommend they take? What are what are the kind of resources available to support them? Yeah, sure. So, in gen- generally, if you are experiencing this, um, there, w- one thing we do advise is if you, you should speak to your workplace. So, if you can, speak to the person um, harassing you, asking them to stop. But, of course, this can be hard. It can also be unsafe to do so. Um, often, like I was describing before, some of the power, sorry, some of the drivers to this behaviour is a power disparity. So, you may not feel comfortable to be actually even raise this issue. Um, and we've seen it be a particularly acute issue in small workplaces as well, where, you know, there's a very small team. So, it would be really difficult to raise it. So, if this is the case, um, it's always the business's responsibility or the workplace's responsibility to make sure that harassment is prevented, that it doesn't occur in the first place. So the kind of support we are, are we, you know, we advise people to do is if they can't speak to their workplace, then there are actually several avenues in which they can report this behaviour. 
including to safe work. And we look at not the individual behaviour necessarily itself, but what caused that behaviour and what can change in the workplace. And we will issue things like, look at things like what systems can be improved? Is there work overload? Is the work environment unsafe? Is there clear roles and responsibilities to manage um, those kind of concerns that workplace, workers are experiencing? Mm. And we um, say it's clearly under the Work Health and Safety Act that employers have that responsibility. They actually are required to ensure their workplace is safe. And if their workplace has certain higher risks for bullying and harassment, they actually do need to take preventative steps. It is it is the the role of of those in leadership. They play a, an important role in preventing and addressing workplace harassment. How can they set the tone and foster that safe work environment? What proactive measures yeah. can organisations take to achieve that safe and inclusive work environment that minimises harassment? Yeah, there's a couple of principles to that to, in terms of leadership, and that is to consult with your workers to understand how this issue plays out in their workplace, you know, are there concerns to provide avenues for safe reporting? Because like I said before, there might be reasons why workers don't feel feel safe or comfortable reporting. They may not want to be known, for example. So leaders need to find a way in which their workers can convey to them any concerns they have, including possibly considering anonymous pathways for them to raise any issues. Another thing we say to a principal to follow is to model good behaviours yourself, to be completely transparent and communicate regularly about what your commitments are to ensuring that the workplace culture improves and then modelling that yourself. Um, another thing we say to is to prioritise it, is to invest in the resources to make sure that those workplace cultures are best practice, that you know, unwelcome and unreasonable behaviours are taken seriously. And that's the other piece I would say, um, to take it, take seriously complaints that are raised, to not belittle them, to not trivialise them, and to show that if you, um, if there are reports of this kind of misconduct, that they will be taken seriously. Absolutely. I mean, I guess one of the key factors as to why women or people in general who don't particularly like to come forward and report incidents of harassment, particularly sexual harassment, is that fear of retaliation. And for many yeah. women as well, they fear losing their job. But there needs to be, as you said, a, a proper process in place. And if I think the most desired process is having that anonymous way of reporting. They don't want anyone to know or find out. But but eventually mm. the perpetrator of that, you know, sexual violence incident or harassment will know that this person has come forward and spoken about it. Mm. So do you find that that's something that a lot of women fear, I guess, that fear of retaliation, fear of them finding out that they have come forward it's really, it's really tricky, and actually, it's illegal. Uh, it's, it's, there's a process called um, victimization, and it's when you necessarily take uh, some kind of action, negative action, against a person for raising an issue, and that's actually illegal. So, if the person does lose their job because they've mm. um, made a complaint or they're moved on from their role, then that is actually illegal. But in terms of reporting, it is really difficult because ultimately, as well. You do want to afford the people involved due process and hear all sides of the story. And it is really difficult when they are anonymous complaints. So it's a space in which workplaces really have to understand 
what their workplace is like, you know, are, are people going to be able to report, you know, how do I find out about these issues and doing so in a safe way and to provide the supports they need. But, yeah, it is a really, really difficult Complex. balancing act. Mm. You know, how do you ensure the other people will also have their voices heard? At the end of the day, they are allegations. So there's going to be, you know, two sides to the story. That's right. In the past, what, what's been criticised is actually, uh, and, you know, you always, the approach that um, he's moving in this space is that you ask the person that reported what they want. You know, what are the, they want to know their options and they like support. So mm-hmm. you ask them, you know, what is it that they want to achieve? What's happened and all of the data has shown is that often a person will make a report and then nothing happens or they never hear back yep. or they're not asked to tell their side of the story or they're moved on to another area. Mm. Um, and they look, they feel like they've been punished. So I think that's there's a lot of work to be done there as well, not necessarily, you know, finding out who was guilty and, who, you know, who, who necessarily was in the wrong. Um, of course, that might be important for a workplace. It might be important for the person. Mm. But you don't want it to be... Behavior. You don't want it to be swept under the rug and what tends to happen is is that they make the report but there's nothing that really gets done after the report is being made and suddenly yeah. a lot of people tend to think that it's just about making that report and moving on um, but yeah. it's also about the, the support that you provide and we'll talk about some of the emotional um, and mental health impacts that it can have on women experiencing mm. that. But first, let's talk about the role of bystanders in addressing workplace harassment. What can individuals who witness harassment do to support victims and contribute to a safe work environment? Yeah, look, um, bystander intervention and speaking up is definitely a tool that we encourage workers to do where they feel safe to do so. It's part of the ability to build a workplace culture that does stand up for behaviour that is unacceptable and um, because often it may occur where the manager or the leader may not be aware it's occurring. So it does in in one way um, rely on other workers to step up and say look that's not acceptable, that wasn't appropriate and to convey you know that was that wasn't un- that was unwelcome what was said. But to do so in a safe way, and I don't think there's a um, kind of rule book on that. It depends on the context, of course, but absolutely um, part of building that positive workplace culture is to get everyone on board and everyone on the same page about what constitutes good behaviour and what won't be tolerated. Um, Another way in which we encourage workers um, to respond to this issue is to take it up with perhaps your um, health and safety representative um, who is aware of the work health and safety system in their workplace and may be able to also support um, whatever's occurring in that workplace. Of course, um, you know, it's really important to to take that on board and to really follow that critical advice that you mentioned in relation to witnessing, ever witnessing a situation Mm -hmm. where someone's being uh, treated inappropriately. Like like any other workplace hazard, if you saw a spill on the floor mm. or you saw an accident about to happen because something looked like it was broken, you would do something. Yep. You know, you're trying to help out your workers here. And we, we want to say and convey the message that you should be doing the same when it comes to inappropriate behaviours like harassment, bullying and sexual harassment. You know, um, you should take care of each other. You should be on the lookout um, and you should be proactive about it. 
Absolutely. But then you have some people saying, I don't want to have anything to do with it. I just want to focus on my work. But sometimes you need to speak up when you see fit. So if you Mm. find that there's Mm. a situation where someone's health and safety is at risk, then obviously it's important for you to speak up. That's right. And then you mentioned as well that if a situation of harassment is not handled appropriately, then this is something Mm. that that can be illegal. So what are the potential consequences, both for individuals and organisations, when, let's say, sexual harassment allegations are mishandled? Mm-hmm. How, how severe are the consequences? Yeah, look, in terms of safe work, you know, there's a couple of avenues in which workers can report externally um, if they experience these behaviours. But I'll just to speak in terms of safe work. Um, if you raise it with your workplace and you're not satisfied with their response, you can report it to Safe Work. And again, we look at the systems. We won't necessarily, we might, but we won't necessarily look at um, everyone that was involved, exactly who said what, you know, he said, she said. But we will look at the system itself. We'll look at how work is designed, what systems are in place, what the environment is like, and what should have been done to prevent that kind of behaviour, including whether the response was taken seriously and adequately, you know, measures are put into place. So we'll look at that system as a whole. What can you tell us about the impact that uh, harassment can have on individuals and their overall well-being? We know that that it can have devastating effects on individuals Mm. and also the overall workplace environment. So what are some of the potential impacts of that on an individual and the workplace as a whole? Yeah, I mean, all the types of harassment that I mentioned earlier can have really serious and long-lasting mental and physical impacts, just like a physical injury at work. You know, if, if you um, flip or, you know, fall, for example, um, for these kind of incidents in the workplace, they've been shown and known to have very serious and long-term mental and physical impacts as well. And some of the things we've seen include um, uh, people isolating themselves, not wanting to go into work, they're more absent, um, they have trouble sleeping, appetite, lack of appetite, poor diet. They might stop exercising or socialising. And, you know, in addition to perhaps some of the behaviours I described also have physical elements too. They do manifest in physical forms of violence, which is absolutely unacceptable. Um, but we do find that workers that experience the kind of behaviour often do spend more time from away from work. And it not only impacts the workplace then and what they're trying to achieve and their goals and their and productivity, but also it does impact family and other social relationships too. So it can have really deep embedded um, impacts on people Absolutely. more than um, what is seen on the surface. Yeah. yeah. I can imagine not just in a workplace environment, but that can also translate to your life outside the workplace environment, your relationships with your family and friends. Um, and your children yeah. as well. So it's it's really important to speak up when it counts and, you know, for workplaces to really be proactive in achieving that safe and inclusive work yeah. environment. Uh, finally, what message would you like to convey to employers, employees and individuals who may be listening to this interview about the importance of addressing workplace harassment and achieving safe workplaces? What is your final uh, message and advice? Yeah, I'd say that everyone in the workplace has a role to play. It is a really complex and challenging issue and it is something that requires everyone in the workplace to to understand what is 
on good behaviour, what's acceptable in the workplace, to report it if they feel safe to do so, um, and to reach out to agencies like Safe Work if they're not satisfied with their response. But everyone has a role to play, and we're not really going to tackle the issue if we don't take it as a um, preventable issue, you know, to be proactive as much as possible, to see what risks there are, and to constantly consult with your workers and revisit it, because what might be um, represent, representative of your workplace today may change in six months' time. So we encourage all of those, like a cycle, holistic, you know, systemic, cultural review constantly about what, what are risks to your work health and safety. Mm. And keep it at the forefront. Keep it as part of your, you know, your list of priorities, I guess, to focus on yeah. nurturing that environment in the best way that you can. Thank you so much, Christina Hay-Nguyen, the Director of the Respect at Work Task Force, for your valuable insights and empowering message. We greatly appreciate your time and expertise on this important issue. Thanks, Nadia. Are you ready to take your career to the next level? Are you seeking the right tools to shine in today's competitive job landscape? Join us for an enlightening journey of professional growth and success with our dynamic 2MFM radio series, Career Catalyst, Landing Your Job, proudly supported by the New South Wales Government. Every week we'll bring you expert insights and practical tips that will empower you to conquer the job market and secure that dream position you've always aspired to. From crafting standout resumes to acing interviews and fostering a positive workplace environment, our series covers it all. Whether you're a seasoned professional looking to climb the ladder or a recent graduate embarking on your career path, Career Catalyst is your go-to resource for improving your skills and landing that desired job offer. Career Catalyst, landing your job. Your journey to professional success begins here.